Welcome to the Stonebridge Community Church online worship service. Today you'll hear the Word of God read, the message from this weekend's in-person service, and two songs to guide you in worship. Thanks for joining us today. As we're wrapping up the summer here, we are wrapping up this sermon series that we've been in with the Psalms called Psalms Greatest Hits. Just looking at a few of the Psalms, and some of the Psalms are so famous, like Psalm 23, which we looked at last week. Psalm 8 is pretty famous. We looked at it a few weeks ago. But today, I think we're going to be looking at maybe one of the Psalms that wouldn't be counted as one of the greatest hits. It's a little more obscure of a Psalm. It's Psalm 117. And in a moment here, I'm going to read it, and I'll actually read it twice. And what I'll say is just pay attention because you may miss it. So this is Psalm 117. Praise the Lord, all nations. Extol him, all peoples. For his kindness overwhelms us. And the Lord's steadfast truth is forever. Hallelujah. I'll read it one more time. Praise the Lord, all nations. Extol him, all peoples. For his kindness overwhelms us. And the Lord's steadfast truth is forever. Hallelujah. Please pray with me. Lord, we thank you for your scriptures. We thank you for the Psalms. We thank you for the expressions that they are, Lord. Expressions of anger, expressions of grief, expressions of gratitude, expressions of joy. We thank you that here in the Psalms, the full range of human emotions is found. And as we turn to Psalm 117, help us, Lord, to see clearly what this psalm reminds us of. Help us to see clearly what this psalm points to. Help us to understand your kindness, your steadfast truth. And help us to praise you. Lord, through your Holy Spirit, speak to us through your scriptures now. We thank you. And we ask this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, you may have guessed, Psalm 117 is the shortest of all the psalms. Out of all 150 of these poems or songs that the Bible has for us, this is the shortest one. And I think it stands out because of its brevity. I mean, some of the psalms go on and on and on. Psalm 119, just two psalms later, is the longest psalm. And it goes on for pages and pages praising God's law. Other psalms will take you through the entire history of Israel almost. And then other psalms have these long flowing expressions of anger or grief or joy or gratitude. But then Psalm 117, just two short verses, it's almost like a slogan more than a psalm. It kind of feels like it's a smaller section of a bigger psalm. Like the psalmist started with this one and then moved on to another project or got bored or something. But this psalm in its brevity, I think it actually can serve as more of a slogan. A slogan is one of those advertising jingles, a short phrase where just a few words evoke a bigger idea. A few words will represent bigger ideas than just those words on their own usually represent in a slogan. And I think Psalm 117 is, in many ways, more of a slogan because some of the words here in this psalm are, are loaded. They're doing more work 
than normal. They're terms that would evoke certain big ideas for the earliest readers of this psalm. Remember, the Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew. It was not in Greek or Latin or English. It was written in Hebrew. And one of the things that you'll see when you're going through the Old Testament is this phrase, the Lord, where Lord will be all capitalized there. It's here at Psalm 117, praise the Lord. Lord is all capitalized. I'm going to let you in on a secret, though I'm sure some of you know this and it's not really that big of a secret. When you look at the Hebrew, what's there isn't actually the word for Lord. That's the Hebrew word Adonai. That's not what's there. Instead, what you'll find here is four little Hebrew letters. They look like that. What happened is when the Hebrew was translated to the Greek, whenever the first translators saw this word, they put the Greek word for Lord there in its place. Because what you actually have here is God's name. It sometimes has been rendered Jehovah or Yahweh. You've heard those terms, I'm sure. This is actually God's name. But when you look at it in Hebrew, it's actually impronounceable. It's just gibberish. You can't really speak it out loud. It's thought that the reason for this is in the Bible, names have power. When the first human Adam is created, he names all the animals showing that he has dominion over them, that he is to care for them. When you speak somebody's name in the Bible, you're showing a level of power or familiarity. You can actually see this in our own culture. We have certain people that you use honorifics for. You don't talk to them by their first name. In other languages today also, there's ways to talk to somebody you're familiar with and somebody you're unfamiliar with. It's the same in the Bible. And God's name is meant to be impossible to pronounce because we human beings never have power over God. We never exert power over God. We don't influence God. God influences us. So when those earliest translators came across this, they put Lord there in its place. But one of the other things I think that God's name does, and being able to come across it and read it, and every time you read Lord to understand that that's what's there, it reminds us that this is a God with personality. The English term God is so vague. We all think of different ideas when we think of the word God. Some people get a picture of an old man with a long flowing beard up in the sky, which is not the picture the Bible ever paints. I think many of us, though, get to this place of just a vagueness. But when you see God's name in the Bible, you're reminded this is a specific God, a God who has a history of a relationship with a people. So when Psalm 117 begins with praise the Lord, it's this specific God that is being evoked, this God that has this history with Israel. And what also would come to mind there is all of the deeds that God had done for Israel and with Israel. All of the history of God's actions with his, Israel. When Psalm 117 uses this word kindness, there's a specific term there in Hebrew that's pronounced chesed. And that word, what it points to isn't just the general vague idea of kindness. 
Sometimes in English, we take these Hebrew terms and we take concrete words and we make them more abstract. What is actually evoked there isn't the general concept of kindness. It points back to all of the deeds that God had done. So, a person hearing this psalm or reading it back when it was originally written, they would have heard that term and they would have thought of God making a promise to Abraham of God promising that Abraham's descendants would become a mighty nation, a a nation to bless the world, a nation through which the world would be saved. They would think back and think of the promises to Isaac, the promises to Jacob, God's faithfulness there. They would think back to God raising up Moses to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. They would think of God walking alongside Israel throughout the desert. This one little word evokes the history of God's actions with Israel. They would have thought of God giving Israel a land of milk and honey. It brings to mind all of this history. So you can see, just those few words start to evoke all of these ideas. And these two words that I just mentioned, they show up in the Psalms over and over and over again. I mean, the Psalms go through and they remind you of God's deeds. Sometimes they do it more explicitly than in Psalm 117. But over and over again, you'll see the Psalms pointing to God's past deeds. About 10 years ago, I was watching a TED Talk, and I'm not a big big TED Talk person. In fact, I didn't even realize they were still going until people told me this last night. But I was watching a TED Talk 10 years ago, and the speaker was talking about brain science, neuroscience, and was saying that positive thinking is a practice, that your brain's like a muscle, and that you can actually train it in certain ways. And that what it's showing is that when you remind yourself of something you're grateful for, certain parts of your brain get ignited. And that you could practice different things you're grateful for, writing them down every single day, and that over time doing this, you'll start to interpret the world more positively. I don't know if it works or not. I tried it for like two weeks and then moved on with my life, but I thought it was a great idea. And I actually think that the Psalms are doing something similar here, but instead of just training their minds for general positive thinking, they're training their minds to be able to see God's actions, and God's deeds. By looking back on the past deeds of God, by constantly reminding themselves, reminding others of what God had done, it reminds them of how God acts so that they can see it in today's world. It reminds us of how God acts so that we can see it in today's world. They relied on these stories of God's deeds so that their eyes would be opened up to how God might work in the present and how God might work in the future. The Psalms over and over again bring up God's past deeds. I think each and every one of us here, you can think back on a time in your life when things were going well, when your life was the way you hoped it would be. You can think back on when God's blessings were abundant. Reminding yourself of those moments, of God's blessing. It can help you see God's blessing in the future, and it can also help you get through 
difficult times. It can remind you that though it may not feel like God is faithful in that particular moment, you know God has been faithful in the past, and because of that, God will be faithful in the future also. Reminding yourself of this. I think it's critical to just getting through these lives that we live. The problem here, though, is that we all get busy. We get busy. We have jobs. We have lives. We have family members we have to deal with. We have friends we have to deal with. The the normal day-to-day aspects of life can take over our minds. We can lose sight of the bigger picture. We can stop reminding ourselves of God's past deeds. On top of that, we all have tragedies that we experience. You take the busyness of life, you add in tragedies. You lose a loved one, you lose your job, you have your finances fall apart. It can become harder and harder to remember God's past deeds, to remind yourself of God's blessings in those moments. And this is where I become convinced that the writer of Psalm 117 didn't just become distracted or move on, that it was intentionally meant to be short. Because this is where slogans become so powerful. Slogans, remember, use a few little words to remind us of really big ideas. And slogans can be helpful in those moments where we forget the bigger picture. My first exposure to the idea of slogans and understanding it as a concept and the way it can help me was actually through a TV show decades ago. It was a show called Family Matters. I'm not sure if you all are familiar with it. There was a suburban family. Carl Winslow was the father's name. And the show was about just this family and how they would live life. But what really drove the show was the next-door neighbor. They had this next-door neighbor named Steve Urkel. I'm going to throw his picture up here for you. i got to be honest, too. I I thought about fully committing and just wearing the outfit for the service today, but... It felt like that would be a bit much. I didn't want to overwhelm you all. But Steve Urkel was this nerdy character who caused all this ruckus for the family. Accidentally, kind-heartedly, very good-natured character, but he would break things all the time. He would ruin situations. And he had this tagline that he said every show of, did I do that? Did I nail it? Is that it? Yeah. So in one episode, Carl Winslow, the father, has become so fed up with Steve Urkel, so angry with Steve's antics, that he develops an eye twitch. He's internalized this anger, and his eye is twitching, and he can't get it to stop. So he goes, he sees a doctor, he sees a therapist, and the therapist tells him to practice this slogan, or a mantra, if you will. Three, two, one. One, two, three. What the heck is bothering me? It's meant to remind him that whatever's bothering him isn't that big of a deal and it's going to go away. But in the bit of the show, he says this and Steve Urkel's still standing there every single time and it doesn't really work. That's a show, but that's when I first understood that slogans can actually get us through a difficult time. They can actually reframe our minds. They can remind us of a certain concept once we associate it with that concept. So later on in my own life, When I had to go seek therapy for dealing with anxiety and panic attacks, my therapist taught me a slogan. It was a little different than the other one, but they taught me to take a deep breath and just say, 
I'm not going to die today. And just to remind myself that that's not going to happen today. My body had tricked itself into thinking, fight or flight, you're going to die. And I learned to calm myself and just say that to myself over and over again. And it worked. It's been like 10 years now since I've had a panic attack. I mean, every few months or so, I sit there and say this weird slogan over and over again, and people around me are like, what's going on? But it works. These slogans can help us. They can remind us of a bigger picture. And that's what I think Psalm 117 can do for each and every one of us. Our lives get busy. We deal with all sorts of things. But this simple psalm, just two verses, and the simple words in it can remind you of the full history of God's faithfulness. It can remind you of, your faithfulness, of God's faithfulness to you in your life. And in those moments where you lose sight of that bigger picture, this psalm, if you've committed it to memory, if you're able to recall it, it can reframe you, redirect you. It can help you in the moment of a difficult time. Remember, God is still faithful. And because God has been faithful in the past, you can trust that God will be faithful in the future also. So I invite you, take Psalm 117 this next week, try to commit it to memory. In the morning and in the evening, say it to yourself. Do it for a week, two weeks. Don't just train your mind with general positive thinking, but train your mind to see God's actions in the world, to see God's deeds, to be aware of how God is at work. I think Psalm 117 in its brevity was given to us for that purpose. I think that's the way the Holy Spirit invites us to interact with this psalm. God was faithful in the past. God will be faithful in the future. So whatever circumstances you're in, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Please pray with me. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your faithfulness in the past. We thank you for your faithfulness in the future. We thank you for your faithfulness right now. Lord, your kindness overwhelms us. Your steadfast truth is forever, but it's easy for us to forget that. So Lord, use the scriptures to remind us. Use the scriptures to prod us in the direction you will have us go. Use the scriptures to root us in your faithfulness that we would never forget, never let go of the fact that you love us, that you care for us, and that your kindness truly does overwhelm us. It may not feel like it all the time, Lord, but remind us that you are faithful to your promises. All my life I've been carried by grace. Don't ask me how, cause I can't explain It's nothing short of a miracle I'm here Got some blessings that I don't deserve I've got some scars, but that's how you learn It's nothing short of a miracle doesn't add up. I know it comes from above.
got miracles on miracles A million little miracles Miracles on miracles Count your miracles One, two, three, four I can't even count them all me steady so I wouldn't give up. You opened doors that nobody could shut. I hope I never get over what you've done. I want to live with an open heart. I want to live like I know who you are. I hope I never get over what And it's not luck I know it comes from above I've got miracles on miracles A million little miracles Miracles on miracles Count your miracles One, two, three, four I can't even count them all Miracles on miracles Million little miracles Miracles on miracles Count your miracles One, two, three, four I can't even count them all I can't even count them all No 